Welcome, happy ADHD Awareness Month to my NeuroSpicy community. Thank you so much for joining me today. My name is Sam and I will be your podcast host. The podcast is going to be called Mind Over Labels. And essentially in this potty series, we will be covering what is ADHD? How do I know if I have it or not? What screening options are available? If you're a mum, dad, a friend, or a partner, and you want to show some support to your neurospicy individual, then we'll cover that as well. We'll also go over the diagnostic process in Australia, what treatment options are available. If you're anything like me, I was very resistant to wanting to, I guess, have my personality changed by a drug or having to take something every single day so good news there are other alternatives that aren't just medication based um, so we'll definitely be going through that and then as well once you have your diagnosis I guess what now there's so many resources we're gonna make it fun quirky and a really good journey so before we kick things off a full disclaimer I'm not a psychiatrist, I do have a bachelor in medical science, and I also have a real hunger for understanding the intricate human body, especially all things the brain. It is such an amazing supercomputer that we have in our heads. It's honestly one of the most incredible things on earth. So my aim for this podcast is to break down a lot of the information that is out there for you. I want to give you an understanding of what neurodivergence is what is actually going on in the brain and at the end of the day if one person can walk away from this podcast feeling a little bit smarter feeling a little bit more empowered to i guess take the first step on their journey for an adhd diagnosis or even just have a little bit more information so that they can kind of help guide or tailor a friend a family member that is going on this journey then that's amazing and that is my job done so the structure for today's podcast, I'll go over a little bit of who am I, we'll have some fun analogies about, you know, what ADHD is, why is it known as neurodivergence, and why is it different between males and females. We'll then finishing it off with some spicy questions. I know my brain goes down into some deep, dark rabbit holes, so at the end I'll just include something fun and quirky. Feel free to write in and tell me your spicy thoughts because my NeuroSpicy community, we definitely have some very funny thoughts and it'd be good just to share them. So without further ado, let's kick off. So who am I? My name is Sam, I'm 31 years young and this year I was diagnosed with ADHD. At first, I didn't really want to tell my story because it felt very private, felt very sensitive, and there is a lot of taboo around ADHD. You know, a lot of people say, oh, it's just a trend. Oh, it's just a phase. Oh, you're too smart. Oh, you're not hyperactive. You know, I heard that a lot from my friends, even from my own family. And I guess you're kind of conditioned just to always think that that's how everyone's brain worked. You know, from the outset, I do lead a successful life. I finished school, I've completed a university degree, I have an awesome job, and I own my own business on the side. I've never really suffered from depression or anxiety or some of the other comorbidities that can be linked to ADHD. 
I guess one day I just kind of had an overwhelming sense that I was different, that my brain was wired. So I did decide to take action, went and chatted to my GP and began the journey of getting a diagnosis. So now that I better understand this condition, there have been many, many penny drop moments for me. It was actually evident that I did always have it, especially looking back on my childhood through school, growing up through uni. I guess as far back as I remember, I would always get insanely obsessed with something. And then, you know, after a few days or even after a week, that interest would just vanish. It'd just go. You know, in school, I never struggled to really fit in, but I would find myself mirroring, you know, other girls' personalities and behaviours. It was kind of like a cheat code to act as I was supposed to. You know, I was, I was very outgoing as a kid. I was inquisitive. I was extremely empathetic. Looking back on all my report cards, a lot of them said, Sam needs to focus and stop distracting other classmates. Which, yeah, I did that a lot, but I just kind of attributed that to my extroverted nature. <laughs> it actually is the reason that I do have ADHD edit. So when it came to learning, I always did things in such a more complicated way. I have memories of doing homework with my dad, bless his little cotton socks, probably one of the most patient men on earth. It would be a simple math problem and my brain would always just overcomplicate things or I'd have to kind of take an additional 10 steps to get to the solution when it was such a simple problem. You know, I'd also have to reread the same sentence over and over and over again and it just wouldn't ever stick into my head. If I did ask a question, I'd have to also ponder the response as if it felt like I had a delay in kind of processing what was asked. Yeah, as I got older, things kind of continued to get worse. I have changed jobs quite regularly because I have trouble staying focused or I just get frustrated because I can't understand a basic concept. It's not because something was, you know, distracting me or that it wasn't what I wanted to do. It was just the mundane, repetitive tasks of an office job and sitting down at a desk from 8.30 to 5.30. I think as well recently in this latest job that I've had, I felt as if I was having a conversation and the light was on, but nobody was home. No matter how hard I physically try to concentrate on what the other person was saying, I just felt my brain drifting off and I physically couldn't retain any information from the conversation. And it's frustrating because like, I want to learn, I want to be interested in what the other person's saying, but my brain just physically doesn't allow it. You know, I realized that whatever it was, I had to do something about it. And you know, the more I've kind of gone on this journey, ADHD is massively underdiagnosed. Over 80% of adults don't even know they have it. You know, and I was one of those, one of those 80%. It did actually make me wonder, I guess, how different my life would have been if I hadn't lacked the motivation for all those years. If I had actually become good at things the first time I tried them, not given up on something that I couldn't do. There's so much resources and help and it's my job. I just want to empower you along your diagnostic journey. So what is ADHD and how do we give a brief layman's definition? This is a really hard question. One, since my diagnosis, I've really struggled to articulate concisely. So the old school understanding that ADHD is essentially a behavioral disorder is somewhat true. By definition, a behavioral disorder is a pattern of disruptive behaviors that cause problems in school, at home, and in social situations. In recent years, there's been so much more discoveries about ADHD. You can further define it as a developmental impairment of the brain's self-management system executive function. 
There's a really good analogy from a professor, Tom Brown, who says, imagine your brain as a Symphony Street orchestra. You're at the Sydney Opera House, you're really excited to go watch your first orchestra show. You've got the violins, you've got the trumpets, you've got the harps, percussionists, and pianists. Pianist? I'll make a mental note to Google which one's right later. <laughs> anyway, the people that play the piano. Each musician is at the very top of their game. They're musically talented, they're creative, and they're so, so tuneful when they're in harmony. What the musicians in the orchestra need is a conductor. Someone who's gonna be at the front, in control, and lead them through all the pieces of music that are being played. They're gonna set the rhythm, they're gonna set the pace, the volume, and they're gonna regulate them to produce beautiful harmonic music. Each of the individual musicians are the parts of the brain that control your attention, your empathy, emotion, your concentration, your focus, your motor skills, the list goes on. The conductor is the prefrontal cortex of the brain, the bit in the forehead that sits just behind the eyes. And when the conductor is doing its thing, the rest of the brain can perform to its full capability. In ADHD, we know that there are limitations in the performance of the prefrontal cortex or the job of the conductor, which essentially means that our orchestra is out of sync and our impulsivity, our attention, our activity are not as controlled as we would like. In effect, it means that we're out of tune, out of rhythm, and we don't sound as good. Another famous professor of psychiatry, Russ Barkley, describes ADHD as not an intelligence issue, but as a performance issue. This explanation also fits really well with the orchestra analogy. We are brilliant and capable, but we just can't nail the performance without help. In the world of all things ADHD, there are two distinct camps with slightly different ways of viewing ADHD. Camp one views it as an impairment which prevents potential from being reached, causes frustration and leads to emotional dysregulation, for example. Anyone that struggles with ADHD, I know that I get really frustrated. I do struggle to regulate my emotions. And I do, I get really annoyed with myself that, you know, if I do have a normal functioning brain, would I have ruled the world by now? At camp number two, they view it as a blessing. It's a celebration of the diversity of the human brain. ADHD allows creativity, it allows freedom of expression, makes you spicy, gives you an energy that others struggle to keep up with. There's a really good debate and I'll include it in the footnotes of this podcast, but it's good to know that, you know, depending on where you are in your journey, that there are different ways of viewing it and there's no right or wrong way. So why is it known as neurodivergence? So humans are wildly diverse. Fun fact, all humans share 99.9% .9 of DNA, yet no two humans are alike. So my DNA and your DNA and your neighbor's DNA will differ in two to three million places, which is what makes us so different. ADHD can be considered neurodivergent because it's a neurodevelopmental, neuro meaning your brain, developmental, meaning the way that your brain's developed, disorder that changes how you think and process information. Scientists believe these differences are due to the unique structure and chemistry of the ADHD brain. When a human is built, DNA is the instructions for how to make the body, just like the code in a video game or the blueprints of a house. Mutations and variations occur naturally. A really interesting recent study is by the Aarhus University in Denmark, hope I haven't butchered that name if anyone's Danish, 
has demonstrated that there are 27 areas or more of the human genome that are involved with the final presentation of ADHD. 27 genes, that is so many. So one person could have four to five genes, the next person could have three or four completely different genes. It makes it a very complicated and diverse disease when you think compared to a single problematic gene. Examples of a single cell disorder include albinism, Down syndrome, sickle cell disease, where one gene is responsible and manifests in this disease. So having 27 different genes that can result makes it so diverse. So why are there differences between males and females? So first and foremost, what are the signs of ADHD in women? So ADD or ADHD is not gender biased. So it means it happens in both males and females. And symptoms exist almost as often in girls as they do in boys. Majority of kids with ADHD never outgrow it. So as we know, ADHD comes from DNA and more and more scientific research strongly suggests that ADD is hereditary, which means that if you are the mother or father of a child with attention and impulsivity problems, chances are quite good that you have ADHD too. Mel Robbins is a great example of that. She's got an awesome podcast and she talks about her journey of getting diagnosed very, very late in life. She took her child in to get the diagnosis and as a doctor was listing out all of the symptoms that the child faced that categorized them into having ADHD, she was like, hang on a second, I also have those symptoms. So she has a very funny story about her diagnostic journey and a really, really good podcast. So I'd recommend listening to the Mel Robbins podcast. She's also got a little snippet of her, of her journey as well. So... Based on the assumption that is commonly going around that ADHD is just a diagnosis for hyperactive little boys, we know that it's not. ADHD in adults is very, very real, and it also exists in women too. So according to the fifth edition, watch me butcher this word, of the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, ADHD symptoms fall into three subtypes. So number one, you've got hyperactive impulsive ADHD. Number two, you have inattentive distractible ADHD. And number three, you have a combination of both of the above. So the hyperactive impulsive ADHD frequently experience symptoms such as fidgeting, restlessness, impatient. It's more visible on the external. So sometimes if you're having a conversation and then they feel the need to interrupt others while speaking. The inattentive slash distractible ADHD often have symptoms such as forgetfulness, distractibility, difficulty in listening or following a conversation. I have this one. I always forget where I put my keys, no matter how much of a generic place I go to place them down. Something in my head, I'll get distracted, I'll start on another task, I'll still have my keys in my hand and I'll wake up with them in the most row places. I'm going to have my housemate Penny, she's going to come on as a guest speaker. I'm just kind of going to detail a little bit how it is like living with someone with ADHD, all my quirks, how I guess from a neurotypical standpoint that... <laughs> 
you know, you can kind of get around it and things like that. I also see a psychologist, so I have some tips and tricks to, I guess, help and negate the forgetfulness and distractibility and things like that. So we'll go over that in another episode. And last but not least, the most common type of ADHD is the combined. So it's characterized by symptoms of both the hyperactive and the inattentive type. And inattentive symptoms are still really largely misunderstood and misdiagnosed by medical professionals who mistake them for mood disorders, you know, anxiety disorders or other related conditions. Inattentive ADHD is also more common in girls and women than it is in boys and men. Some barriers seem to hinder the recognition of ADHD in girls and women include, but aren't limited to, differences in how symptoms manifest. As discussed from the different types of ADHD, the symptoms can present themselves in different way, shapes and forms. There are different gender biases due to the stereotypical expectations. Again, as discussed, the original way that ADHD was thought to manifest was in young little boys who don't pay attention in school. We now know that's absolutely not the case, that there are a lot of other different manifestations and symptoms. Usually there is a lot of comorbidities and compensatory functions. So you have depression, you have anxiety, you have other learning difficulties, which, you know, the effects of ADHD symptoms can often be masked or overshadowed by these. There's strong public perception that ADHD is a behavioral disorder that primarily affects males. Again, we're moving away from this and the challenge here is to raise awareness and provide training on the presence and presentation of ADHD in females. So I've made a few common ADHD symptoms in women just into questions. So if you yourself uh, think maybe I have ADHD or if you have a friend going through that similar thought pattern, here are just a few questions that I guess you can ask yourself or ask your friends. And then I've got a little bit of an explanation after that. So do you feel overwhelmed in grocery stores, at the office or at parties? Is it impossible for you to shut out sounds and distractions that don't bother others? I know for me, I'm quite hypersensitive to noises such as loud chewing. If there's bats outside the window when I'm trying to watch TV, that'll distract me massively. I do get quite a bit overwhelmed in grocery stores, especially if I don't have a list or if I don't have something that I need to know what I'm going in there for. Next question is, do you have difficulty following instructions? This for me is a big one. I just recently came back from Thailand and I was doing a Muay Thai camp and they were doing, I don't know, 20 combo punches and I couldn't get past the first two or three. Like no matter how hard I try and I listen to follow instructions, something in my brain, it just doesn't let me execute them. <laughs> it's very, very frustrating. Next question, do you have the ability to hyper hyper focus? So sometimes you're not able to pay attention at all, but in other situations, like something that really, really interests you, you find it really hard to step away. That's another symptom of ADHD. It's not the inability to focus at all, but it's just the inability to regulate where your attention needs to be focused. This next one is a big one for me and something I definitely, definitely struggle with. So do you struggle to regulate your emotions or do you have a disproportionate emotional response? 
A lot of times women and men with ADHD, we have very big emotions. They're very, very visceral. We have so much mental energy to pay attention that there's no gas left in the tank to regulate these emotions. And, you know, for me, I know that I can sometimes get upset at the drop of a hat, even if something, something so minor happened, it just genuinely, I feel like I overreact in the situation. So that's another one that you can do. Do you feel tired all the time? So a few factors that can lead to profound exhaustion, burnout even, is poor sleep quality. You know, we struggle to go to sleep. We have such an active mind. With the inattentiveness, we're constantly trying to maintain focus. The way that our brain normally would work is to get from thought A to thought B. There's a direct neural pathway. Sometimes if you have ADHD, that neural pathway isn't there. So we have to go from point A to D, back to B to C, and then down to E. So that often requires a lot more brain energy and brain capacity, which can lead to feelings of tiredness. Mental exhaustion from lack of executive functions such as planning, organizing, prioritizing, even masking your symptoms at work. That can also be very exhausting. As well, the element of hyperactivity from increased physical activity can also attribute to the tiredness. Next question, do you feel like you're always at one end of a dysregulated activity spectrum? So you can either be a burnt out, lazy couch potato with no energy to do anything, or you can be a tornado who wants to tackle all the tasks in the world. I think of myself as a high functioning ADHD. I'm super busy. You know, I do sometimes get exhaustion where I kind of just sit on the couch and just have a me day. But you know, my busyness is very scattered. It's kind of all over the shop. It's not a, a productive way of doing it. Are you a perfectionist? I know that I'm a perfectionist. I set a lot of very high expectations on myself and I get really disappointed if I don't achieve them. A perfectionism is a very common symptom of ADHD. As well, I suppose this kind of ties in with perfectionism, but are you highly self-critical? Do you constantly beat yourself up? Are you worried about disappointing everyone? And do you wonder why it looks so effortless for everybody but you to complete a task? Putting my hand up here, definitely that is me. Do you start each day determined to get organized and end each day feeling defeated? So in another episode of this podcast, I'll go through a few, I guess, just management options on how to stay on top, little tips and tricks that my psychologist has taught me, which, you know, really helped me staying getting organized and remembering things because... <laughs> I forget to book things like basic appointments. There's stuff that I know that I need to do that I just either put off or forget. So I'll help you with some of those. And this is a big one for me. Do you struggle with time blindness? Easily leaving for appointments on time and not constantly being late. It feels impossible. I know that if I have a lunch at 1 p.m., Unless I physically write down what time the bus comes, what time I have to leave the house, what time I have to start getting ready, my brain can't actually just figure out that timeline by itself. If I don't have something rigid in place, I'll be late without a doubt. And <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very frustrating, but you know, there's other coping mechanisms that we have learned to deal with it. 
So as discussed, the final segment of the show is gonna be what neuro spicy things did we ask Google this week? So funny story, when I was living with my previous housemate, Abby, love her, she, <laughs> she kept a note section on her phone of all the weird and wonderful questions that I would ask. So before 10 a.m., I've already had about 10 random rogue questions, like how does one create a Guinness Book of World Records? Why are tires round? How deep is the ocean? What's the deepest car park in the world? Like some of the thought processes that go on in my head is just like, what and how did you get there to a neurotypical person? So I thought it'd be a fun, interactive, funny way to finish off the podcast with what did I type into Google this week? So I don't know, I somehow got on the topic of lobsters and I went into a bit of a deep, dark rabbit hole on lobsters. So I found out that lobsters actually pee out of their faces. So they have little urine releasing nozzles right under their eyes and they urinate each other's faces as a way of communicating, either when they fight or when they mate. It's pretty, pretty crazy, hey? And then three other little fun facts that I also found in my deep dark rabbit hole searches on lobsters, which really cool animals if you ask me. So lobsters have two stomachs. One of them is in their head and it has teeth. It does the work of crushing the food and the second is right behind the first and it extends into the abdomen. The one in the abdomen aids in digestion. And then this one, besides for the one that they pee out of the faces, I think this is my second favorite fact. Female lobster takes off her clothes to mate. In order to grow, lobsters have to shed their shell and regrow a newer, bigger one. It's during this vulnerable time that female lobsters decide to mate, shacking up with a male for 10 to 14 days until she is protected with her new shell and she can move on. She can hold his sperm for up to two years before utilizing it to fertilize her eggs. Wow, that is crazy. And then just one last one. So a lot of people think when they chuck a lobster in the water that they are screaming in pain. Fun fact, they actually don't have a vocal cords, so they literally can't scream. The sound that most people hear is air being released from their stomachs through their mouth. Crazy, hey? Well, if anybody else has any weird, quirky things that you've had to Google, please reach out to me on Insta, send them to me, and I'll include them in a future episode. So, that is all for today. I just wanted to leave you with a friendly reminder, you know, be kind to yourself. Please reach out if you have any questions at all. My Instagram is mind underscore over underscore labels. My name is Sam. Thank you so, so much for joining me for the first series of this Mind Over Labels podcast where we explore all things ADHD and I empower you along your diagnostic journey. Thank you. I hope you had as much fun as me. Join me next month for round two, where we will discuss screen options, both public and private options to get your diagnosis. Hope everybody has an amazing rest of their October. And again, happy ADHD awareness month. Thank you and bye.